Hi. So this is going to be kind of a looser episode. I think every podcast episode going forward will probably be in this kind of format. I started doing this podcast like a little over a year ago, um, but the uploads have been pretty irregular um, because the kinds of episodes that I was doing at first were just things that took too much time to ever know exactly when it was going to be done, so it was very hard to have, like, a consistent upload schedule. And I am also just a, uh, I'm just not the kind of person that finds it super easy to conform to a very strict schedule. But I have been doing a lot more, um, YouTube videos recently. The last couple episodes of this podcast have been mostly like re-uploads of stuff that I had already put out on YouTube. So that's where a lot of my focus has gone as far as the more like detailed deep divey kind of content. I'm definitely still gonna upload the audio from the uh, third part of my new Depth Be Heard series that I've been putting on YouTube because I have put the first two parts onto the streaming platforms as well, like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and stuff. So if you've been listening to that on those platforms, then you can continue to do that for the third part. But I think after that, I'm just gonna keep this podcast as like a place for my less organized thoughts where I can just talk about things that are a little bit more topical to like, you know, whatever's happening in the news or in specifically like celebrity culture within whatever week the episodes come out. And I'm also going to continue doing the podcast for like additional thoughts on whatever I put out on YouTube. Well, not maybe anything that I put on YouTube, but like for the depth be heard stuff, obviously those videos are already pretty long. Um, they're like, uh, the last one was only like an hour and 45 minutes, which isn't too bad. But then the other one was like two hours and 45 minutes. So I do have a habit of putting out stuff that is, um, just pretty long form, but believe it or not, I do put an effort to like restrain myself a little bit. I always have more to say than whatever I've said in the like three hour videos that I'm putting out. So I think I'm just gonna use this podcast to like contain some of those additional thoughts whenever that's appropriate. So I put out part two of the Depth We Heard series last week on YouTube. And then a couple days later, I put out the the audio for the podcast. Uh, For the next episode next week, I'm gonna do another like commentary-ish thing on that like I did with part one and the Broken Bottles podcast episode. I'm going to do that same thing again next week, but I'm going to let the um, the comments build up a little bit more for another week. So if you haven't watched it yet and you, you want your input heard before I do the next podcast episode about that part, then go watch it, go comment, go engage, do whatever. This week, though, I just want to talk about The Idol on HBO. Because I did watch it, unfortunately, and I have a lot of thoughts. And this is a show that's been mired in controversy since before it even aired. So let's go back and talk about some of the production history of The Idol. If you don't know what The Idol is, it's a show that was on HBO, I guess... I think it's over now. I don't think it's being renewed at all, but it there were five episodes. It ended recently, like, last week or 
two weeks ago. I don't even remember because I didn't watch it when it was like live. I would wait a couple days because it wasn't a very good show. And I was really just watching it with my friends because it was so stupid that it was kind of fun to laugh about. But definitely not something that I was making a point to watch as it aired every Sunday or whatever. And I think that's how a lot of people watched it because I know that it would air on Sunday because they were, I mean, that's when a lot of HBO, like their big shows typically air. But I think they were specifically trying to recreate the success of Euphoria because when that was airing the second season, every Sunday became like Euphoria night on Twitter and people would just tweet about it throughout the night to the point that I couldn't go on Twitter if I hadn't seen the episode yet because I would immediately get spoilers. But that was really not the case with The Idol. Anything that I saw from The Idol, I saw days later, and it was always just these really short clips that just made the show look really, really stupid, because it was. And there was so little context for what was even happening in those clips that it really couldn't even be a spoiler, because I was just confused. And I continued to be confused when I watched the actual episodes, because it never really made any sense, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So The Idol, I don't remember when it was first announced or when I first heard about it, but looking up stuff about the production, um, it went into development in June of 2021, and then it was ordered to series by HBO in November of 2021. So I'm assuming that's about the time that I heard of it. I know that I was definitely aware of this series for a while. It was co-created by Sam Levinson and The Weeknd. Sam Levinson is the guy who made Euphoria. He, like, wrote and directed every episode. Or I don't know if he directed every episode, but he definitely wrote every episode. And then The Weeknd is obviously The Weeknd. He's a singer. He uh, has been around for quite a bit. He was a little bit more on, like, the indie alt side of music for a while in the first years of his career, but he definitely seems to be a bigger mainstream success in the last, like, couple years. I mean, obviously, he did the fucking Super Bowl, so that's pretty mainstream. And then his last, like, two albums have been a little bit more pop-leaning. So I I like The Weeknd a bit. I haven't followed his career super closely, but I, I did like his last couple albums, and I did see his new tour uh, live when it was still touring the U.S. I think he's still touring, but now he's he's international. And it was a good show that I saw. Thought he did a great job. I do think he's a great performer. He's a great musician, a great writer, etc. And Sam Levinson, I, um, I have mixed feelings about, but prior to The Idol, I would say that it was definitely leaning more positive than negative. I watched Euphoria. I watched it every week. I thought that it was good in parts. <laughs> I think the first season was pretty good overall. The second season, I didn't love. I I liked parts of it, and I'll, I'll get into this more later. I think there are things that Sam Levinson does or did well, um, but there were other there were other things that I think he uh, he needed a lot of improvement on, and I also don't quite understand why someone would want to be the like single showrunner for a show with an ensemble cast 
when he's the only writer. I think that's kind of a mistake. If you have an ensemble cast where you're supposed to be juggling a lot of different characters and a lot of different storylines, you probably want multiple writers. You want multiple perspectives in the writer's room so that it doesn't just come out as like a jumbled mess like the second season of Euphoria did. But whatever, that second season being a little, um, disappointing or lackluster, that's fine. I mean, sometimes good TV shows have bad seasons, and that doesn't mean that the people who make the TV shows are, like, bad creators overall. So when this was first announced, I was like, oh, cool. I like The Weeknd. I kind of like Sam Levinson. And the entire... A uh, concept for this show was supposed to be about, like, pop stars and the music industry and a, a dark take on all of that, which I thought sounded cool, especially with The weekend. You know, he's in the music industry, so he must have valuable things to say about that kind of work. And then at some point, I don't remember exactly when this was announced, but it became clear that Troy Sivan was going to be in the show, and then a little bit after that, it was announced that Jenny from Blackpink would be in the show, so it seemed like, you know, a kind of star-studded cast with people who actually, again, are involved in the music industry, so they have some perspective on that that would be interesting. And complaints about some of the writing in Euphoria aside, it is a very good-looking show, it's very stylish, and I think that 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 can be great for a show. I don't really, I mean, there definitely is a such thing as style over substance, but I also think that in some scenarios, style can be very substantive. The aesthetics of Euphoria already kind of look like a music video, so why not apply that style to a, a show about the music industry? That sounds great. So when this was first announced, I was like, cool, I'll watch that, sounds good. Eventually, though, the future for this series started to get a little nebulous. So it was ordered to series in November of 2021, and then in April of 2022, one of the, like, main writers and directors, um, she may have even been credited as, like, a showrunner. I'm not quite sure what her official title was, but, like, the main person overseeing the series, Amy Simetz, just abruptly left the project, or at least it seemed abrupt from the reports that were coming out. No one knew exactly what was going on, but there were reports of a creative overhaul, not just for Amy leaving the project, but also some of the actors were no longer in the show anymore. Troy Sivan was still in it. Um, at this point, Jenny from Blackpink hadn't been announced, but there were people that were announced to be leaving, which was pretty odd considering the amount of time that the show had been in production, like it had been a couple months already, and maybe this was a show that was gonna be in production for a long time, but with how much was already being like announced about it, it seemed like they were trying to put it out somewhat quickly. So making huge changes like this a few months into production, not a good sign. But just one showrunner leaving maybe isn't a huge deal. Sam Levinson was still involved, The Weeknd was still involved, and assuming that they were a big part of the creative process prior, because this was their show and they were like the creators of it, then maybe that's not such a big deal because they've already been helping steer this ship, right? So now we're just down like one co-captain and then a couple crew members. But the ship is probably driving in the same direction, I would assume. 
But as the months rolled on, it became increasingly unclear what was going on with the series at all. People thought that it was supposed to premiere in, like, the fall of 2022, and then that didn't really happen. But then there were trailers that were coming out that you would think indicated that the show was on some sort of schedule, but then those trailers would never have a premiere date set. It would just say, like, later this year or coming soon or something like that. Something really vague, so no one really knew what was going on with the idol. But then, Rolling Stone, in March of this year put out kind of an expose on the behind-the-scenes drama of The Idol. So for one thing, the production members that they talked to said that they still didn't know when the show was coming out, and this was in March. And the entire production process just seemed to reek of chaos and disorganization and a pretty toxic work environment. And a lot of that toxicity seemed to stem from Amy Simetz leaving the project in April of the year prior. So according to some of the people that Rolling Stone talked to, Sam Levinson and The Weeknd weren't really that involved in the creative process for this show until they fired Amy. I guess because the production lined up so much with the production of Euphoria Season 2, Sam's attention was mostly on Euphoria. He wasn't really paying much attention to the idol. And The Weeknd is just, you know, being The Weeknd. He's making music. He, he was touring at parts during the making of this show. So even though they're co-creators, most of this is falling down onto Amy. And some of the crew members said that Amy was pretty much set up to fail. So the article says, When she arrived on set seven weeks before the show started filming, she was given half-finished scripts, a first-time showrunner in Joe Epstein, a tight schedule, and near-impossible expectations from HBO. Amy was doing her best in an impossible situation, but she was going to lose this no matter what, one production member said. Honestly, I think HBO handed her a shit stack. So one of the first problems was that HBO wanted to keep the budget around $54 million, or roughly $9 million an episode for six episodes. That's not totally unreasonable for just, like, a normal show, but because this was supposed to be something that they basically wanted, like, fully produced music videos in every episode, it's a little short. It's about half of what the second season of Euphoria got. And considering The Idol had more, like, veteran actors or just people who are a little bit just more famous, I guess, like Troy Sivan, he's not, like, a big-time actor, but he is definitely a person that a lot of people like, a lot of people like his music, so I'm assuming that he and a lot of the other cast members were getting quite a big chunk of that budget. And they were also apparently trying to portray the opulence and glamour of the music industry. So again, gonna cost a lot of money. And the production schedule was, at first, pretty tight. So from late 2021 to April when Amy left the project, they had already filmed or made 80% of the show. That's what they said in the Rolling Stone article. I don't know what specifically that means, though. Because they didn't say it was 80% film, they said that the show was roughly 80% finished. And with a show like that, I don't necessarily think that that means 
that that proportion of the show was filmed, like, because that it could include post-production and stuff like that. Like, it's possible that they were editing the series as they were filming. So I'm wondering, honestly, if there are, like, full episodes of this that do exist, at least, like, a rough cut of an entire episode. I don't know. Regardless, the show was pretty much almost done. But then... Euphoria Season 2 production wrapped up, and Sam Levinson decided that he wanted to get heavily involved in the idol, to the point that he fired Amy, or someone fired Amy, some executive at HBO, and Sam decides to completely rewrite and reshoot the entire series. So all of that original footage? Not in the show. I don't know where it is. I hope someone at HBO has it. I hope they didn't just, like, completely delete it or something. I would hope they wouldn't do that. I would think someone somewhere has it on a flash drive, but I don't know. All I know is that the version that eventually aired is not the first version of the series. Now, this is already an absurd thing to do, just given the fact that you had 80% of the show finished. It seems like such a waste to get rid of all of that footage and all of that work, especially when Amy was apparently being put on a pretty tight deadline. And then once Sam Levinson took over, it seems like there was no deadline whatsoever. He could just work at his leisure or something because we didn't get any sort of announcement for the release date until like, I don't know, maybe May of this year? Possibly April? I don't know. But then it also seems like the version that currently exists is just worse than the original. Now, I can't really know that because I haven't seen the original show, but I do know that one, whatever aired was really, really bad. And I just find it hard to believe that that was an improvement. But then two, all the people that worked on the show pretty much said that it was worse after Amy left. So the Rolling Stone article says, Of those who worked on the production's first iteration, many say they were fans of the original script, describing it as a layered narrative that was driving home a message about the trappings and exploitations of fame. One crew member describes having their choice of several other prominent opportunities and signing on for the idol purely because they were impressed with the story. It was gripping. I couldn't put it down, another says. As promising as those initial scripts were, the scripts for the final episodes were still only half-finished and the finale completely unwritten. Simetz was encouraged by HBO and producers to put her own spin on the show and write the last episode, a source explains. As a result, Simetz was polishing up scripts and writing while directing. She also had her assistant, who had no previous credited writing experience, writing scenes with HBO making the assistant a staff writer last January. So it sounds like this was a pretty chaotic set to begin with, but maybe just a more organized chaos, because I guess there was a lot of rewriting and stuff that was already happening in the original iteration, and the crew members said that they didn't get a whole lot of, like, one-liners before showing up on set, which one-liners are, like, the things that tell you what you're going to be doing on set that day. So it seems like it was already kind of a clusterfuck of people just making things up as they went along, but all of the crew members that are quoted... By Rolling Stone seemed to have had a pretty good impression of Amy, that even though it was a bit of a clusterfuck, that Amy was kind of pulling it all together. 
And HBO was apparently encouraging her to do her own thing with it, even though it was a show that was, like, created by Sam Levinson in The Weeknd. They weren't super involved. One of the crew members even said at one point that they didn't see Sam until weeks into production, and he showed up. The first day that he showed up was during um, a sex scene with The Weeknd and Lily Rose Depp's character, because Lily Rose plays the, the main character, Jocelyn. And so I guess they were filming a sex scene, and that's the first time that Sam appeared on set, which, eh, that's pretty on brand for him. But whatever. Not super involved, nor does The weekend seem to be pretty involved because he's touring during this time, or at least getting ready to tour. He's just not available a whole lot to be on set. But when Amy steps down or gets fired or whatever... Apparently, the reason is because The Weeknd and Sam started to get more involved in the series, and The Weeknd specifically didn't like how much the show was focusing on Lily Rose Depp's character, which is weird because she's the main character. So, like, the focus should probably be on her, but whatever. Maybe he wanted it to be a more ensemble cast sort of thing like Euphoria. That's not, like, an inherently bad thing that that he wanted more focus to be put on, on different stuff. Um, it seems like, though, he didn't just want some of the emphasis of the show to be taken off of Lily Rose's character. He wanted it specifically to be put on his character, which, you know, iffy motivations there feels a little egotistical, but again, he is... A co-creator, so maybe he has a specific vision. I don't know. But then where it gets even weirder is it says here, A source with knowledge seconds that The weekend was the reason behind the shakeup, wanting to tone down the cult aspect of the storyline and pivot into something else entirely, dropping the feminist lens through which the show was being told as a result. It was like The weekend wanted one show that was all about him. Sam was on board with that, another source explains to Rolling Stone. And it's not like I think every show has to be super feminist in nature. It's fine for things to have a different emphasis or focus on some different themes. But it does strike me as a little odd that this is supposed to be a show about exploitation in the music industry, where the main character is a female pop star, and then The weekend came in and was like, ugh, this is getting too girly. It's like, but it, it just seems like feminist themes should be kind of baked into that plot pretty easily, you know? Like, there would probably be quite a lot of misogyny involved in the exploitation that Jocelyn's character faces, right? So that already just feels like a weird decision, just artistically and also kind of ethically, because it... It brings up questions about, like, why why was that such a bother to Mr. Mr. Weekend? So whatever. Kind of iffy, weird, strange decision. And then it gets worse <laughs> because these people that Rolling Stone talked to who are a part of the production said that not only did it kind of switch direction, it became, like, super rapey. So, I mean, I, maybe I should have put a content warning at the beginning of this episode, but here's your warning now. This is going to get weird. 
before the show even comes out, crew members are already describing it as torture porn, offensive, uh, saying that the entire show was just about how Lily Rose's character just wanted to get raped all the time by the weekend's character. And at one point, one of the things they said, apparently they wanted to film this scene where the weekend's character puts an egg up Lily Rose's vagina and then tells her that like, if the if the egg breaks, that he's never gonna rape her again, and that stresses her out because she really, really wants to be raped. Oh my god, is I can't even fucking say this shit. This is so bad. She she's so obsessed with this toxic relationship that the idea that he will stop assaulting her, and these are like the words that are being used in the script, like the or not the script, but in the in the article from people who were working on the production. So it's not even like, oh, she just likes rough sex. Like they specifically are using the words like rape and assault. It's so bizarre. But I guess Lily Rose's character was just so into being assaulted by the weekend's character that she couldn't break this egg that had been put in her vagina. And the only reason they didn't shoot that scene is apparently because they didn't know how to shoot it without actually putting an egg in Lily Rose's vagina. And I saw someone on Twitter saying, I guarantee that they actually asked Lily Rose to do it and she just wouldn't, which I think is kind of likely at this point, just given all the other stuff that I've seen now. But I also don't even understand how they were trying to shoot that scene in a way that they couldn't use like a stunt vagina. Like, I'm not saying they should have shot the scene at all. But in terms of, like, the logistics of it, it doesn't have to be Lily Rose's vagina. Like, I don't know what her vagina looks like. I'm not going to be able to tell. If you put an egg in someone else's vagina, I won't know. <laughs> I mean, don't do it. I, it's not necessarily something I need. This, but also, like, that, they could just do that off screen, too. Like, they could just say that there's an egg in her vagina, and I'll just take their word for it. Like... I don't need to see the proof of that. I don't know why. <sighs> oh my God, it's so bad. <sighs> okay, but anyway, so a lot of people on the production really, really weirded out and grossed out by the, the show that they are now expected to film. And that is definitely an issue. I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming if... If that were like illegal or something that someone would have filed a lawsuit or so, I don't know. You'd think HBO would stop it if it was completely against people's contracts. But it does just make me question, like, how are they able to do that? How, if the production team is expected to film all this stuff and they were led to believe that they were filming things completely different and... The problem with the one-liners continues after Sam Levinson takes over and seems to get worse, by the way. Crew members say that they just show up on, like, the day of, and they don't know what the fuck they're filming. And that is already a problem for, like, a production standpoint, especially because they film so many scenes outside, like, in the weekend's backyard. And, like, the sun's gonna move, guys. And there are a couple points during the show where I can tell, like, oh, they went kind of late that day. 
Sun's moving a little bit more than I think they were planning on. But that's what happens when you don't have a tight schedule for a show like that. You don't you don't know how to how to shoot it really uh, effectively or really efficiently. You know, it's going to take fucking longer to make because you don't know what the fuck you're doing when you show up. And so that was a big problem for the production. And they said that they worked super long hours and they were working on the show way longer than they thought they were going to have to because they thought that the deadline that Amy was working on was going to be when they were done shooting. And then it just wasn't. So that's already an issue just for like production problems, but also like ethically, you're just having people show up on set and they don't know that they're going to be filming someone having like, a sexual assault scene? Like, that's something people need to be briefed about. Uh, but whatever. This story all starts to blow up with the Rolling Stone article and the reports of, like, a toxic work environment. And also just, there's some commentary there about what successful rich men are able to get away with because Sam Levinson having the success of Euphoria under his belt and being the kind of golden boy of HBO right now, the crew feels like he was able to just kind of do whatever he wanted and didn't fear any sort of consequence for it. Because as they said, HBO wasn't gonna fire him or do anything about it because they still want Euphoria season three. So even though Amy was put under these time restrictions and this tight budget, once Sam got involved, there seemed to be no limit on the on the production budget at all, though they did save quite a lot of money by primarily filming the show in the weekend's house and also filming some stuff like during his tour. So there's a part where it's supposed to be Jocelyn's tour, but they just filmed it on the weekend stage, like during one of his shows. It was one of his SoFi shows. And if you remember... um. He canceled one of those concerts like mid-show because he said that he lost his voice. And apparently that actually has to do with the fact that they had filmed this scene where he was in character as Tedros. And he said that when he went back on stage as The weekend, he was still like so in character as Tedros that he just couldn't, he couldn't find his voice again, which is, oh my God, like it's so... <sighs> It's like there's so many pretentious actors that will do like method acting and stuff and just kind of use that as an excuse to be a shitty person a lot of the time. But at least with like some actors that do that, most actors that do it at a professional level to the point where we get to see them talking about that in interviews, they're usually good at acting, you know? Like when Lady Gaga says that she was doing Patricia Gucci's voice the entire the entire time that she was shooting the movie, even when she was offset. It's like, okay, well, I mean, you did a good job in the movie, so I guess if that's what you needed to do to get there, that's fine. The idea that The weekend was so in character that he could not go back to being The weekend after he was done shooting that scene is so ridiculously laughable when you look at his performance because it's just not good. <laughs> like, you got that in character for what? And anyway, it was just a stupid idea for them to film that scene on the weekend stage in the first place. It looks so stupid in the movie, especially, or not the movie, the TV show, but especially as someone who went and saw The weekend like, for that tour. Like, I recognize that set, and I'm guessing that a lot of the people who watched The Idol 
are fans of The weekend. Like, he is one of the primary draws for this series. So most of the people who watch the show are gonna recognize that set, and it just completely takes you out of it, because it's like, that doesn't feel authentic to Jocelyn the character at all. I mean, there's no buildup for why her set and her show would even look like that in the first place. It just, you immediately see it, and you're like, oh, that's The weekend's tour. It just, it totally pulls you out of it. And so much of the music in the show, too, is also The weekend. you know? Like, he's singing songs that are playing over top of the show, but The weekend's character doesn't sing. So it's not supposed to be in-universe as his character making that music. It's just The weekend making that music, but playing over top of a show where he is also, like, his voice and everything is already in the series, but as a completely different, like, it's so stupid. They're just, they put so little effort into actually trying to, like, world build or make the show feel like it was the story of real characters. It's like they literally didn't care at all. They were, they were like, oh, well, The weekend is a house. And we won't have to pay for, like, a set or anything, so we'll just film it all at his house, even though that doesn't really work for the story at all. Oh, well. And, oh, Jocelyn's gonna have to say something on a stage at some point, so we'll just use the weekend set while he's on tour. We'll just, when he comes into California, we'll just take our equipment down there while he's rehearsing. We'll shoot a few things. It'll be fine. Like, it's, it's so lazy. It's so fucking lazy. But they still must have had a pretty big fucking budget, considering the amount of stars that they have in the show. And it's like, if Amy finished 80% of the show, most of that original budget is now gone. Like, all of that money, totally wasted. Doesn't matter. That's gone. So, they had to have at least, like, a semi-equal amount for this second iteration to even go forward. Like, that's already, like, doubling your budget, especially when you think about the fact that they have Jenny from Blackpink in the show, which she didn't get signed on until after Amy left, and I'm imagining that she took a pretty big portion of that budget because she's from fucking Blackpink and people love Blackpink, and so she's a big draw. She's a huge name, even though she's not on the show that much and her character doesn't matter at all. So it's already a pretty frustrating situation where Amy was trying to make a pretty good show and then Sam comes in, scraps the whole thing, HBO decides that he has like an unlimited amount of time to finish this and no one even knows when it's coming out and oh well, Sam will just put it out when it's out. And who cares about all the money that was already spent on this show? Sam, you can just pay whatever you want. Get some fucking Blackpink members. We don't care. And then Sam's like, well, it's okay. I'll, I'll save on the budget by just filming everything in the weekend's house, even though that doesn't make any sense for the story at all. I don't really care about the story. I just want to make a show with a bunch of boobs in it. Like, that, that, that's what the show is. And we didn't know that for sure when this Rolling Stone article came out, but that's what it was pointing to, you know? They're getting pretty bad press. And then they made it even fucking worse because The weekend decided to tweet at Rolling Stone and just said, like, you mad or something? Like, I don't remember exactly what he wrote. Um, here, let me see. Oh, he said, did we upset you? <laughs> and then he uses a clip from The Idol where it's him and Lily Rose Depp sitting on a couch and they're talking to Dan Levy and Dan Levy is like, oh, Jocelyn, we can get you an interview with Rolling Stone. And then The weekend's character is like, who cares about Rolling Stone? A whole bunch of old people read that. They don't even have that many followers on Instagram, blah, 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 blah. So really bad 
bad response to that, you know? You're getting accused of participating or enabling or even causing, in a way, this very, very toxic work environment where a lot of the people who were working on the production of your show have gone to an outlet and said, we were fucking miserable, we were overworked, we found the show's material offensive, and we weren't told prior to making that offensive material that that's what the show was going to be. We thought we were making a completely different series, and we're really upset with the way that this turned out. Like, those are very legitimate complaints, you know, of people that you worked with, people that worked under you. And to to not acknowledge any of the harm that might have been done or to take any amount of accountability or even just defend yourself too and maybe say like, oh, that's not really what happened. Like maybe, maybe the people that talk to Rolling Stone are full of shit. I don't know. I trust them. I don't think that they are. But still, like, that's at least some sort of defense of being like, oh, that's not what happened, you know? But that's not, that's not what he did at all. He was just like, you mad, bro? Bad, bad call. Makes you look really callous. Makes you look like you don't care about the people that you work with or the people that work under you. It's just a bad look. It's not good. So that was a dumb thing for him to say just in terms of, like, the ethics of it. But also, that was the first clip, like, full clip that we got of this series. And it was bad. The dialogue was bad. Uh, The acting was also not very good. That was the first time we actually saw The weekend trying to act, and he's not good at it. Lily Rose Depp didn't look great in that clip. I will say that she is a lot better in the entire series, but I think that that dialogue was just so bad that, you know, what could she do? And then also, <laughs> this is what I'm saying about them not scheduling properly and not having the one-liners that tell them what they need to be shooting and shooting everything outside, because if you watch that clip, they're shooting this in the weekend's backyard on like this little patio section thing and there's some trees around them and the trees because it's the outdoors are casting shadows onto the characters but because there's there's no like continuity at all every new shot you see a different collection of shadows on their faces like sometimes they're completely in shadow sometimes the sun is on them completely like it's so bad and that is the result of not knowing what you're fucking filming when you go outside. You can even notice it in some of my videos sometimes too because I've got a window that the sun shines through so you can kind of see the lighting and the color change throughout the videos that I put out. But you know what? I'm making YouTube videos for no money. They were making a TV show with millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars being put into this by HBO, and they have a crew of professionals who should be able to know what they're doing. But of course, they can't really know what they're doing if you don't tell them what they're gonna have to do that day. I, it's just, it's bad. So the clip that he put out, it was a bad look in terms of his just response to the controversy, and it also was just a bad look in terms of what it showed of the series. It showed a series that wasn't very fucking good. So prior to any episode actually airing or even being seen by any critics or anything like that, a lot of bad PR around the idol. It's also made a bit worse by the fact that the accusations that were coming out was that it was basically just torture porn and that there was an overuse of nudity and sex and pretty much everything that Sam Levinson was already known for and criticized for. There was a lot of discourse during Euphoria Season 2 about how Sam Levinson makes his actors just be naked a lot. 
And this was something that I already kind of weighed in on like over a year ago on my blog. I'll link the blog post like in the show notes if if you want to read it. But I had a blog post that was called, um, Is Sam Levinson Over-Sexualizing the Characters in Euphoria? And this is part of why I even wanted to make this episode was because I think that what I said in that blog post, I still stand by as far as like that was what I knew at the time, like I was just going off of the information that I had, but I would like to kind of amend some of the things that I said in that at the time I was trying to be way more fair to Sam than I currently feel like being. Because a year ago, a lot of this controversy really started after something that Sydney Sweeney said. Sydney uh, played Cassie in Euphoria and she was nude a lot especially in the second season. But she told um, she told The Independent in an interview, Sam is amazing. There are moments where my character was supposed to be shirtless and I would tell Sam, I don't really think that's necessary here. He was like, okay, we don't need it. I've never felt like Sam has pushed it on me or was trying to get a nude scene into an HBO show. When I didn't want to do it, he didn't make me. And then she also went on to say that she had other experiences with other directors in the past that made her feel like she needed to uh, go home and scrub herself completely raw. And yeah, I, I'm sure that, that that's happened because that's somewhat common in that industry. It's a gross, gross place, Hollywood. But even though Sydney was saying that her experiences with Sam are positive, that he never pressured her into being nude... A lot of people still took issue with the fact that if she said that to him, that means that there was even more nudity in that script than what we eventually saw on the show. And we saw quite a lot of nudity. So there was an idea starting to form that Sam Levinson is just like a creepy pervert who just wants to see his actors, specifically Sidney Sweeney naked, and that's why he writes that much nudity into his scripts. And... So this is this is where I was like kind of defending him, giving him like a, a lukewarm defense, because really, like we can't know his motivations. We can't know why he puts that stuff into his scripts. Yes, it might be for his own his own idea of what he wants to see, or it could just be like he, he thought that that was the most effective way to tell a story. And that kind of was like a part of a bigger conversation about whether or not nudity in TV or in film is ever necessary. And I just, I don't like that word to be used in like media criticism, especially like for fictional narratives. I don't think, I don't think that you put things into movies because they're necessary because movies technically aren't necessary. We don't need them to live. They're something that people make and something that we we put a lot of meaning into and a lot of human expression into. And so really, what you do when you're trying to write a story is you try to find the most effective ways to tell that story. Not the necessary ways, because really you can write around anything. There's no beat in a plot that is strictly, strictly necessary. It's just that's the plot that you've decided is the most effective to invoke whatever sort of like mood you're trying to invoke or, you know, portray some sort of theme or whatever, like whatever it is that you're ultimately trying to do with the thing that you're making, you're trying to find the most effective way to do that. And sometimes that might involve nudity. 
Nudity can make the characters seem more vulnerable, or it can be used in a more, like, erotic kind of way, which I don't think is necessarily bad. I'm definitely not the, like, I'm not on the anti-sex scene side of this argument. Sex is a part of a lot of people's lives, so it's a thing that is occasionally gonna need to be portrayed in, in media about human beings. I think that's fine. And if an actor is okay with being naked or doing sex scenes, if they say that they are, I don't want to undermine them by saying that, no, actually, you're being exploited. If Sydney Sweeney says that she's fine with all of her nude scenes, that she never felt pressured, I'm just going to believe her. Okay? I just, I'm just going to believe her. But in that blog post that I write, I did still criticize the nudity in the show for the fact that I just thought that it wasn't super effective. And moreover, I didn't think that the story that Sam was trying to tell with Cassie's character was very good. There are parts of Euphoria that are very good. Like, I think the way that the show depicts drug usage and substance abuse, that that's good. I, I made a different blog post even criticizing the D.A.R.E. campaign's criticisms of the show. And I think that Sam is able to tell those stories effectively because... He is a recovering drug addict, and he started using substances as a teenager, like the the main character of Euphoria did, Rue. So I think that he's pretty good with writing Rue's plots, because he has some personal experience with it, he relates to it. He does not, however, have any personal experience being an over-sexualized teen girl like Cassie in the show. So when he writes all this stuff for her character... It's bad, and I think that that's the reason that the nudity feels just so gratuitous in Euphoria, is that it is kind of emotionally empty, because the person who wrote those scenes has no personal connection to it. So this is what I wrote at the time. Sydney Sweeney's character Cassie is often nude, as disapproving viewers have pointed out, but I'm not so quick to jump to the conclusion that Levinson merely wanted to see her breasts. Cassie is portrayed from the start to be a girl with shaky self-esteem and an overcoming need for male validation. She's a serial dater who falls victim to men's coercions easily, sleeping with many of them despite their lack of respect for her, and allowing them to record sex tapes they inevitably share alongside her nudes to Cassie's humiliation. If Cassie's frequent nudity makes you uncomfortable as a viewer, there's an argument to be made that it's supposed to. The problem is, while Levinson knows the perils of illicit drug use due to his own teen struggles with substances, he's not as knowledgeable regarding the subtleties of a wounded teen girl's promiscuity. Cassie's development as a girl eager to trade her body for male attention is so reductive and cartoonish that she ceases to be relatable, often coming across as merely pathetic. The lack of nuance in her character makes Cassie's nude scenes feel less emotionally motivated than they're supposed to. Instead of feeling for this girl who keeps taking her clothes off for men that don't respect her, audiences just stare at a crying Barbie doll impulsively taking her big tits out whenever asked. Even with a sad backstory and regrettable motivations, Cassie's nude scenes feel pornographic because they're so far removed from the average person's ability to empathize with her inner struggles, no matter how tremendously talented Sydney Sweeney is as an actress. Now, I think a lot of the criticisms that I was making of Cassie's character in Euphoria Season 2 really do apply to Lily Rose Depp's character in The Idol. But while a year ago, I was really trying to abstain from just assuming that Sam Levinson is, like, a weirdo, I, I have a less charitable opinion on him now. Because 
The nudity and the sex and everything in the idol is just so fucking egregious that I cannot possibly write it off as like, this is just ineffective storytelling anymore, you know? Like, it's not just that Sam Levinson doesn't have the perspective of a young girl, so he can't quite, he can't quite translate the the inner struggle that he's apparently trying to communicate in his work onto the screen because he doesn't have, like, the tools necessary to do that. Like, that was kind of my opinion at the time. It was like, I don't know that he's a pervert. I think that he maybe just isn't the right person to tell this kind of story. And I definitely still think that he's not the right person to tell this story, but I also am starting to think that he is just, like, a pervert and a weirdo. Because what the fuck is this show? This is a very similar thing to me as the the whole blonde issue, that movie that came out that I made a podcast episode about that too, where blonde, it, it was already in a lot of controversy because it was being billed as like torture porn and too sexual and too graphic or whatever. And again, like before that, that show came out or that movie came out, I was like, you know, maybe that's just people being a little oversensitive to, to nudity and sex and stuff. And I get it, especially when it's a show about a real person. You know, there is kind of this this weird line between, like, what is appropriate to, to make of someone's life. And, you know, if we're going to make a movie about Marilyn Monroe, should we be putting her boobs in it so much? Even if it's not her, like, real boobs, it's an actor's boobs, it's an actor trying to portray her. Like, it, it, it is weird. So there's already that weird stuff. But I was like, you know... Obviously, Marilyn had a very hard life, and there are going to be tough things that you would have to show in a movie about her life or in, like, a fictionalized version of her life as Blonde is supposed to be. It's not really supposed to be completely biographical, but, you know, whatever. I, I get that, like, there's going to be hard stuff shown, and I, I think that that can be done in an effective way in a film. But then I watched Blonde, and I was like, no, this is not just, like iffy morally it's definitely it it definitely has tinges of misogyny like pretty strongly but it's also just not good like it's just misogynistic without also being a good movie you know and not that misogyny is ever excusable but at least there are some things where it's like all right well i get that there was an idea here that maybe maybe got a little fucked up in the execution but with blonde it's like no i feel like you kind of just wanted to show a woman being assaulted a bunch because that's pretty much all this is and it's the same thing with the idol like <laughs> i i cannot imagine and this is the same thing with like what i said about sydney sweeney where like if she says that she was comfortable with the nudity then i'm not going to contradict her you know if, if she says something else later i'll be there to listen but for now she says that it was fine, so I'll just say that it was fine. And the same kind of applies with Lily Rose Depp, I guess, because, you know, she said that she she liked all the nudity and it was, like, important to her or something. And, okay, if she says that, I'll, I'll believe her. But it is super weird to me when you think about the fact that she already filmed this show, a majority of this show. And I don't know how much nudity was involved in that version, but it can't, there's no way it was as much as it is in this new version. <laughs> like, she is naked, like, almost 100% of the time. I mean, there's always, like, some, some amount of nipple that will be shown at some point in every scene. Pretty much. Maybe with a few exceptions. But, like, even when she's, 
wearing like a top. It'll be like a lace top where if you look closely enough, there's her nipple. And that's fine. I love nipples. Like, and Lily Rose has got an incredible body. So maybe if I were her, I would just like showing it off. But I just can't imagine having to be that naked on set all the time. Like that must feel so vulnerable and weird to just always be naked in front of like people who work in the industry and have worked in the industry for a while and are like big names and big people. Like even if it's The Weeknd who hasn't done movies so much, but he's he's a big musician. He's one of the biggest in the world. He did the fucking Super Bowl and you're just naked in front of him all the time. Like the, <laughs> I would just feel very vulnerable. And also she must have been doing like constant prep work because thinking for myself, if I knew that I was going to be naked in something, I would want to spend like the entire week leading up making sure that I was like really moisturized and my skin looked really good. I'd get like a spray tan, make sure, you know, skin tone is all even, maybe, maybe get some waxes, you know, make sure you're like hairless. <laughs> like I would have to do so much prep prep work to be naked for like a scene and she's naked for like the whole show it's like every time she shows up on set she's got to be ready to take something off and that sounds like so much pressure oh my god she had to stay like so waxed poor girl and while I don't want to completely just throw away everything that she said you know again if she says she's comfortable I'll take her word for it but I do have to point out too that not only is she a younger actor who hasn't had any like big roles like this before. I know she's done some acting prior, but nothing like this. That's also going to put her in a very vulnerable position where she maybe doesn't want to or feel like she can say no to everything or to anything. But then in addition to that, the show itself is almost like, I don't, this is a very strong word to use, and I don't mean it in a super strict clinical sense, obviously, but it almost feels like the show was made to gaslight her into wanting to be naked. Like, so much of the show thematically is about how Jocelyn's character likes being naked and likes being, like, sexually promiscuous, and, you know, that's fine, but this is a show written by a man who is asking his lead actor to to enact all of these things. And it just, it, it feels like the show is trying to send the message of like, no, pop stars love being naked. It's their favorite. They love having weird sex. They love being raped. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, yeah, it's gross. The, the The morality of the show is already just strange at its core. But then, in addition to all of that, there is specifically a scene at the beginning of the movie, like, pretty much the first scene, where they are just, like, mocking the profession of an intimacy coordinator. So if you don't know... An intimacy coordinator, it's a kind of new position in the industry. It started to become more popular after the Harvey Weinstein scandal and the Me Too movement and all that. Um, they're a person that that is on set to act as like a go-between for actors and producers and directors and stuff to pretty much negotiate the intimacy scenes, like any sex scene, like kissing scene, any nudity, stuff like that that where um the director isn't really talking directly to the actor and being like hey i need you to do this it all has to go through the intimacy coordinator and things need to be negotiated and things need to be put into contracts prior to like shooting it and that's a really important job because 
if you just think about the common image of like a predatory director or photographer taking advantage of a young actor or model or whatever, the kind of textbook scenario involves a young girl on set with a director or a photographer yelling at her like, oh yeah, that's so good, now just pull your shirt down a little more, show the camera a little more skin. And that's an easy way to coerce young talent into doing something that they're not fully comfortable with because in the moment when they're trying to do a good job and get approval of the director or the photographer, they don't really have time to fully think about what they're doing and firmly establish their boundaries. You know, you just put them on the spot and then you tell them to take their clothes off and some of them will because they they don't feel comfortable saying no in the moment like that. You know, that, that happens a lot or that did happen a lot and probably still does, but because intimacy coordinators have become a much more common thing on sets, that is a way to prevent that scenario. So that's a very important thing that we do need on shows like this that involve a lot of nudity and a lot of sexuality. And HBO has required intimacy coordinators on their productions since 2018. Anything that has nudity or sex scenes, anything like that, which let's be honest, that's almost every HBO show. So pretty much every HBO show has an intimacy coordinator on set. That's great. We love that. You know who doesn't love that apparently? Sam Levinson. Because the show opens with Jocelyn at a photo shoot where she like takes out her boobs. She like has a robe on and she opens it up more and there's just her boobs. And then there's an intimacy coordinator on the set and he's like, oh, no, 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 this isn't in your contract. We need to put this in your contract in advance before you can do this. And then they have an entire conversation where Jocelyn's like, but it's my body and it's my choice to take my boobs out. And then he's like, well, yeah, but this is for your protection. We need to make sure that this is all in writing. And they make the intimacy coordinator seem like an annoying nuisance. Like he's just a part of this like bureaucratic effort to control women's bodies in the industry by protecting them. Like it, the whole point of the scene is basically to be like, well, but she likes taking her clothes off, so you shouldn't have to have it in writing. She should just be able to take her top off whenever she wants because I want to see her boobs. I mean, they don't do that. I want to see her boobs part, but they make it seem like intimacy coordinators are just controlling women by telling them not to take their clothes off when women really actually do want to do that. Maybe not all women, but at least this one. And if it hampers one woman's ability to control her own body, then... Maybe that's the real misogyny. It's just, it's a, it's a very bad scene just for what the scene is. But then when you think about the fact that like, for one thing, Lily Rose Depp is naked in that scene. So there was an intimacy coordinator on set for that production who had to then watch their own profession being mocked in front of them. And then when you think about the bigger context of the fact that this is a Sam Levinson-directed show and he's been working on Euphoria, which is another HBO production where an intimacy coordinator is going to be required there too, it really, really feels like Sam Levinson is just complaining about the fact that he can't make his actors nude whenever he feels like it. But he's making it as if it's not him that necessarily wants them to be nude so much. They want to be nude for him. That, that's, that's the implication that I get from the scene. Whether or not that is the message that they intended to put out there, that is definitely what it feels like. And then when you think about the fact 
that Lily Rose is on this show having to act out this scene where they are making intimacy coordinators out to be like ineffective and bureaucratic and quietly oppressive to women. It's like, I don't know that that dialogue in and of itself isn't a little bit coercive. If Lily Rose is acting in a role where the dialogue is always enforcing, she loves being naked. She thinks it's great. It's it's a freedom to her. Is she going to really feel that comfortable to, as herself, as an actor, say like, hey, actually, no, I don't want to be this naked. Can I please stop being naked? So yeah, I'll, I'll take Lily's word for it that she felt comfortable, but I do just think that the environment that she was in was one in which I don't know that her comfort was being totally prioritized. And that's that's where I'll leave that conversation. But let's move on to, to the rest of the show. Because <laughs> it, it truly just gets worse after that. Like, that's the first scene, already starting on a bad note. And it feels like the show gets worse with every scene. Not necessarily. There are a couple scenes in the first two episodes that I think work. The episodes overall aren't good. The pacing is incredibly off. The characters feel super hollow. The dialogue is very on the nose, but also still incredibly confused in its messaging. It doesn't really seem to have an established perspective. Or maybe the perspective that it actually does have is one that they can't be super blunt about because that perspective is gross, you know? They have to uh, kind of couch everything in this ambiguity of like, oh, who's, who's the real bad person? The people telling young stars to take their clothes off or the people stopping young stars from taking their clothes off whenever they feel like it. Like, it feels like it's trying to invoke some sort of moral ambiguity or moral dichotomy to excuse its own moral depravity. So yeah, first two episodes already not good, but there are some parts that that make it seem like the show could have something, you know? And I wonder how much some of those scenes were from the original draft of the show. I, I don't know if these are things that Sam Levinson wrote. I, I really just don't want to give him that credit <laughs> anymore. But there are a couple parts that are okay. So like, uh, there's... Well, the entire kind of opening thing in the first episode, I think it's done not super effectively, but there is something to the way that the entire episode is staged where they have like Jocelyn's team, her management team, talking about this this thing with her. Um, she had a photo that leaked where she had come on her face. Um, so it's like revenge porn is bad. Um, and the show never really does much with that thematically, other than the fact that in the first episode, everyone is talking about it on her team except for her. She's rehearsing her dance numbers, she's learning the choreography for her new music video and whatever. She's doing all that, and then there's someone from Vanity Fair there to interview her, and she's talking with, like, the managers and stuff, and they're all talking about this photo, but Jocelyn doesn't know about it. So that, that seems to me to be, like, semi-effective storytelling and that there is some commentary there about how artists in the industry like they are the they are the the front facing part of their career but there's an entire vehicle behind them that they are not in control over 
people are making decisions and having discussions about her career, but she's not involved in those discussions. So, okay, that works. And there's even, like, parts of that episode where she's down on the on the ground outside and then her management team is, like, standing up on a balcony and, like, yeah, okay, they're, they're physically above her. That That's good staging about them being the more in-control dominant party in all this. That works. And then later in the episode, uh, when the Vanity Fair person is talking to Jocelyn, she keeps, like, pausing her recording on her phone to try to ask Jocelyn questions off the record, but then Jocelyn keeps recording again. By the way, I'm gonna spoil a whole lot of shit. Who cares? Um, and Jocelyn keeps recording because it's like, oh, okay, she doesn't, she doesn't want to exist off the record, you know? She's so public that she, she doesn't need to say anything that's, that's not also public. That gives you some insight into Jocelyn's character. That's good. And then in the next episode, there's an entire scene where um, Jocelyn is filming a music video and she keeps not getting the choreography completely right. But then other people think that it's fine and she wants them to continue doing more takes. And she's also kind of having a mental breakdown because she's still grieving from the loss of her mother. And then she's getting really stressed out and she's kind of panicking. And then like her feet are bleeding because her shoes are too tight. Like it's, it's a very tense scene that does work really well. And that's where I'll say that like Lily Rose Depp does do a very good job in this show. She does really well with what she's given. I, I'm sad that what she's given is so bad, but you know, I, I hope that this doesn't, I hope that people can at least see her performance and, you know, make any sort of decisions about casting based on that. Because, you know, I, I worry about like any part that she could get in the future, just knowing that she's a part of this train wreck and being like, ugh, we don't want that anywhere near us. But like, she does a good job. So I, I think she should get credit for that. So those are like the three scenes that are good or passable in the whole show, the whole, whole thing. But while the second episode has that really good scene with the music video shoot, it also has like the grossest sex scene I've ever seen in my life. And gross, mostly in the way of like cringe, just so, so bad to the point that I don't think I'm ever going to find The weekend attractive ever again. Like I thought he was... Totally a good-looking guy prior. Seemed charming. He's he's pretty mysterious, too. Like, he doesn't really do a lot of interviews. Um, there was a whole thing for a while where people would make jokes about, like, they've never heard The weekend speaking voice because he just makes music and he doesn't do a lot of interviews. So, you know, we've never heard The weekend speaking voice. We've definitely heard it now. And I I'm never going to look at The weekend the same way again. Like, like seriously. I... <sighs> He fucked up by doing this show. He had so much mystique. He was so cool. And now he's just cringe. And the worst thing about it is like, so after, um, after the show airs on HBO, when it like first airs, they will do um, a little thing at the end of the show where they show like a little behind the scenes thing where the, the creators will talk about making it and they'll talk about like the plot and like where they're going with it and yada yada. And so I watched those and they take themselves so fucking seriously. Like everyone who worked on this show, especially like The Weeknd and Sam Levinson, like they really think that they're doing something. And that's the worst part is that there's no way they realize how bad this is. Maybe they do now that some of the reviews have come out and the reception has been so negative, but they for sure thought while they were making it that they were making something like deep and provocative and that like says something about 
anything. And it doesn't. It doesn't say anything except for like, you guys are creepy weirdos. I, I don't know. And I know that The Weeknd has said some stuff about like how his character isn't supposed to be sexy. He's supposed to be kind of cringe and pathetic. But like, for one thing, I definitely, I can see that in some parts of the show. I can tell that there are parts where they are leaning into that. There are other parts where I'm like, no, I, I think that you think you're being sexy here. I think that you think that this is like charming or cool and it's not. And in any case, that's also just bad storytelling for what the what the show is supposed to be. So it's supposed to be about Jocelyn, Lily Rose's character. She's a pop star and she's been a pop star for a long time. She's like a child star. Uh, it's kind of similar to like a Britney or a Christina or a Miley or a Selena. I think there's been some speculation that because The Weeknd used to date Selena that some some parts of Jocelyn's character are based off of her. I don't know, but something along those lines. Jocelyn's been in the industry for a while and then she meets this guy Tedros at a club and Tedros has a cult. And in the show, they reference Nixium and also in, um, in a lot of like the promo stuff that's come out, they reference it as like, he runs a cult that's similar to Nixium or Scientology. And no, it's not. It's just not. It's a cult in a way that like Tedros has these characters around him that are unquestionably loyal to him. But there is so little world building in the show that like, I don't understand how the cult works at all. Like, I don't quite get how all those people got there. There's some indicators of it, but it doesn't go deep enough and it doesn't make sense. And it's not realistic to like how real cults operate. Like what? Nixium is almost like a multi-level marketing kind of thing. As is like Scientology in a way, like you have to like pay to like level up to do certain things. Like there's, there's a whole structure behind those cults that doesn't exist in this cult that Tedros's character runs because that is just so underdeveloped. Like there's nothing to it at all. I, it is the most overly simplistic idea of human psyche where they just think that like, oh, this guy just comes in and starts telling people what to do. And then everyone is like, oh, okay, I'll do it. Like, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Read a book. Do like the smallest bit of research into the psychology of cults and cult-like behavior and realize that your main character shouldn't be as off-putting as he is. Because if the whole idea of Tedros is that he actually is really pathetic and cringe and not intimidating at all, why are so many people intimidated by him in the show? Why are so many people seduced by him when he's not a seductive person? He's just embarrassing. Like, that's a bad, bad characterization for someone who's supposed to be a cult leader. A type of person who is typically very charming. Because that's how you become a cult leader. And that's where I'm saying that this show doesn't really have a point. Because the points that it says it's trying to make, it makes so little effort to even understand them that the entire plot just feels like it was written by a 15-year-old boy who just wanted to see a bunch of boobs. 
And I will emphasize here, I mean like a 15-year-old boy, not an adult man who just wanted to see some boobs, not something that would make any sense coming from an adult person who has experience in the world and who has before made other TV shows, like Sam Levinson has made other fucking shows. It doesn't make any sense to me how he made this show because it doesn't even make sense. Like, the plot is so fucking stupid, the dialogue is so fucking bad, that it feels like it was made by a child who doesn't have, like, an actual understanding of the world yet? Who's, like, kind of capable of basic logic, but doesn't have any experience with adult behaviors, so they can't actually write accurate characters because they don't, they don't quite get how other people behave yet. They're still kind of figuring it out. All they know is that they think the basic idea of a cult is kind of interesting, and they really, really like sex. So that's just what the show's gonna be. There's gonna be reference to cults, and there's a lot, a lot of sex, and lots and lots of boobies. No penises. The weekend, if you're wondering, doesn't get naked in the whole show. I'm not even sure that he takes his fucking shirt off at any point, but Lily Rose Depp is naked the entire time. And because of how underdeveloped the plot is and how underdeveloped the character is and the world building and everything, it very much gives the impression that they didn't care quite as much about making a good show so much as they cared about doing something on a show that they just want to do, you know? I don't want to assume anyone's intentions, but all the entire series is, is the weekend, like, making out with and having sex with Lily Rose Depp's character... And then occasionally just like saying some really awful stuff, like just throwing around some homophobic slurs. At one point, I think he says the R word. And, you know, I don't want to assume anything about the weekend. But because the rest of the plot doesn't make any sense, it's like, all right, well, there's a reason that you put that stuff in the show. And I don't think the reason was that you were trying to make a good show. I think the reason is that you just wanted to say that stuff and you wanted an excuse to do it. So you wrote it in the script. I don't know. That's just the impression that I get. There is something about this show that while being more competent on like a production level, it feels so like Tommy Wiseau-esque. It feels like The Room. It gives me the exact same feeling that I get when I watch The Room, where I feel like I'm just watching one man's wish fulfillment, where everyone around him is like evil except for him because even though even though Tedros this is a big big spoiler so if you want to watch the show which who fucking cares even if you watch the show it's not gonna make any sense when you do so I let it be spoiled for you but the show ends with it being kind of revealed or hinted at or implied that actually Tedros wasn't the bad guy it was Jocelyn Jocelyn was the mastermind be behind this whole thing, and it, it doesn't make any logical sense, and it very much, it feels misogynistic. It feels like, feels like they're just letting Tedros off the hook for a bunch of stuff and trying to imply that, like, oh, he was the real victim the whole time, even though he's still kind of a bad guy, but is he as bad as Lily Rose is? I don't know, but, like, yeah, no, yeah, he definitely is. I mean, like, he... It's implied that he, like, beat the shit out of women. It, <laughs> it, it's, it's really bad. And there's also a plot um, towards the end where um, a girl frames and this other famous guy for rape. Like, she takes a photo with him and then uses the photo to say that he raped her. And then he gets fired from his, like, 
big movie role within 12 hours of the news going public. And they even say, they're like, oh, I love Hollywood. He's already lost his... It's like they're just trying to be like, oh, woke culture, cancel culture. Any man can get accused of anything. And then he just loses everything. It's Oh, it's so gross. It is so fucking gross. But it's like, I can't even be that upset about like in a different show i would almost find that a more egregious plot line if this show was competent to begin with you know like i just can't take the show seriously enough to get that mad about it but they put in all these different twists where it's like oh the women are lying too to make it be like oh so it, maybe it's not that bad that tedros did all that stuff it even though the main character is technically a bad guy, it still feels like The weekend wants to identify with him in a weird, weird way, very similar to Tommy Wiseau in The Room, which is also an incredibly misogynistic property. But again, it's like people usually don't focus on how misogynistic The Room is because it's also just such a bad, bad movie that like, you know, bigger fish to fry, I guess. But that movie is still just like an outpouring of one man's wish fulfillment that he wants to he wants to be seen as like a victim of women's cruelty or something and with the weekend and the idol it feels like the weekend just wanted to act like a a cool powerful uh, cult leader that's maybe a little campy and maybe a little pathetic but ultimately is the real victim to jocelyn and throughout the whole show he gets to have sex with lily rose depp and he gets to say all this weird stuff that he doesn't really get to say as the weekend because that would be weird but also like the room it becomes so ego-driven and so nonsensically stupid that it feels like an alien made it you know, like if you've watched The Room, you understand what I mean, that like the dialogue and everything, it doesn't feel like a real human being made that film, but they did. And that's astounding. And it's the same thing with The Idol. It, yes, more like competently made. The cinematography's good. It was also produced by like A24. So they've got so much like, there's so much symmetry in the show. Like there's so many shots where it's like them standing in the middle of a of a window. Or at one point they have the Vanity Fair uh, article writer walking down the center of a road inside of a parking garage. And it's like, but why would she do that? Why would she just walk in the center? It doesn't make any sense, but it looks cool. So yeah, the idol definitely looks better from a production standpoint. And the dialogue makes slightly more sense in that it's like grammatically correct. But the things that the characters are saying, especially by, like, the last episode, just make no fucking sense. Like, this is not how human beings talk. This is not how human beings behave. It's, oh, it's just, it's so confoundingly strange. It's like a penis wrote the script. Anyway, my main point here is not just that the idol is bad, but it is. And I could go on talking about that for forever. I could literally break down every fucking scene, but I'm not going to. My main point, or well, my, my two main points is that one, I don't think we should give Sam Levinson any more TV shows. Not even because he shows signs of being like a creepy weirdo, but uh, because I just don't think he's very good at it. I know like Euphoria has its moments, it is good in parts, but let's also acknowledge that it is based on an Israeli show of the same name, so it's not like it's totally original. I don't know how alike the two shows actually are, but maybe, maybe Sam just got lucky adapting someone else's 
already existing work. I don't know. All I know is that the idol is a fully original work, and it's not good. So, there. Maybe we can let Sam direct, like, music videos or something? Or maybe he could direct porn that seems more in his wheelhouse? Or maybe really, like, Sam might be talented as a writer or director, but perhaps his recent success has just gone to his head a little too much, and he's gotten a little too arrogant to properly self-edit, and just thinks that any idea he has is good, and so he just runs with it. Because I can't imagine watching the last episodes of The Idol back and thinking like, oh yeah, this is good. This is what I'm going to send out to the world with my name on it. The plot just becomes like so nonsensical that no amount of time restraints or lack of budget could possibly account for that mess. It is like so structurally a bad show that if Sam Levinson weren't Sam Levinson, there is no fucking way HBO would have allowed this to exist. Like in that Rolling Stone article, there were some people that I guess worked on the production or it says, um, it says they were familiar with the matter. So I, d I don't know if they actually work there or if they just, I don't know, maybe they're friend of a person that works there. They're just someone familiar with the matter. And they said at some point, Sam just stopped sending the scripts to HBO. They said, I got the vibe that the mood on set was, what's HBO gonna do? Pull the plug? Yeah, right. If they want a third season of Euphoria, they'll give me what I want. We're just gonna shoot what we want, and if HBO execs have a problem with it, that's their problem. That's what that person felt like Sam's attitude on set was. And you know what? I hope HBO learned their fucking lesson. To never trust Sam Levinson alone with a script and a film crew ever again. Someone has to monitor him to make sure, one, that he's not being a creepy pervert on set because I do have some concerns, and two, that the plots he's writing are coherent and watchable. Because HBO has already made some very questionable marketing decisions recently, like switching their HBO Max to just being Max. Like, that's a stupid name, and there's no, like, brand recognizability for Max, and it's also really bad SEO. Like, if I Google Max, I'm going to come up with, like, ten other things other than HBO Max. It's just a dumb decision. And they are also, on top of it, putting out shows that aren't any fucking good. So, like, what hold do you think you're going to have over the entire, like, streaming environment when you're already pivoting the branding from the, like, identity that you're known for and you're churning out shit product, like a lot. Like a lot of HBO shows right now aren't very good. And I have no brand loyalty to HBO at all, but it is upsetting in the way that I just like there to be good TV and HBO was at least somewhat reliable for that a couple years ago. And now I just don't really think they are. And that's sad. Which leads to my other point. HBO needs to release the Simets cut. Release the Amy cut. Because since the finale came out, there have been photos posted online from the set during the filming of Amy's version. Uh, there was one little girl, um, I'm assuming it was her mom that posted this on Instagram, but there was a little girl named Arabella who I guess worked on the original version of The Idol and was like a recurring character 
whose entire part just got completely cut out. Um, Arabella's, I'm assuming mom again, wrote, Last year, Arabella booked an amazing recurring role on a new HBO show. She was over the moon excited and had an absolute blast filming the first season. Unfortunately, after completion, the show underwent significant changes, rewrites, and reshoots, and her entire amazing and talented TV family will not be in the new iteration of the show that is now airing. Despite the disappointment of not being able to see her scenes, she had an amazing time filming and is so grateful for the amazing people she met and worked with. And they wrote that with pictures of Arabella on the set, like sitting in a little chair that says the idol. So even though they didn't mention the show's name in the caption, it's it was clearly the idol. And there's other photos of her standing next to Lily Rose Depp, who, by the way, appears to be wearing way more clothes than anything in what the idol wound up being. And then there's photos of her with Amy and other people on the set. Like, they're so cute. They're cute little photos. And it makes me very, very sad that this little girl didn't get to be in this show that she was so excited to be in. But then also, that really illuminates how much must have changed between the first version of the script and the second. Because there's no other character or set of characters or anything that exists in the final version that makes any sense for the photos of Arabella on set. Like, there's no children on the show, for one thing, at all. So clearly, there were entire plot lines that got dropped. Especially if Arabella and her TV family were supposed to be recurring characters. Like, it's not just, like, a little sequence with this little girl and her family. They were apparently supposed to be in, like, multiple episodes. Where? Where does that fit into the plot that we saw? And then there were other photos from the set that have since hit social media, and I don't know exactly where the photos came from, like who posted them, but a lot of the tweets that I had had bookmarked with the photos have had the images removed for copyright infringement, which makes me think that HBO is desperately trying to hide the evidence of the first version of the idol, but like... Once photos hit the internet, they're, like, out there. You can't get every photo taken down under the guise of copyright infringement. More people will upload them. I'll upload them on my Instagram when I post this episode. Because you know what? The people need to know. They need to know that Amy's version of the idol looked so cute. It definitely looks like they did way more with Jocelyn's character, for one thing. Especially, like, her past as a child pop star. Um, so there's photos of, of like, Lily Rose on set with some other people. I don't think they're characters or actors. I think they're just, like, members of the crew. But they're holding, like, these uh, um, Jocelyn standees from, I'm assuming, like, her past as a pop star. But I'm not quite sure. Like, I don't know if, I don't know where Jocelyn's career is at, really in like that version of the script because it definitely doesn't look like anything that Jocelyn would wear or anything related to her branding that we see on the final show because it's much more like pink and girly and it looks like Jocelyn's bedroom is also very girly. There are photos of her in a room. I, I don't know if it's her room, but I'm assuming it's her room because it's got like her merch up on like shelves and uh, on the walls and it's got like her plaques of like her album achievements. So I'm assuming that that's supposed to be Jocelyn's room. Looks nothing like anything we see on the idol as it as it was completed. It's very girly. It's very pink. I love it. And you also see 
Um, there are some photos of like shoes or something with Jocelyn's face on it. And it kind of looks similar to like if you remember when Hannah Montana was going and they always had like Hannah Montana themed everything anywhere like Hannah Montana chapstick, Hannah Montana book bags, etc. Stuff like that. Like when you're a child star, you can just put you can put your face on anything and other children will buy it because children love buying things or getting their parents to buy things. So there's like a whole world building aspect of the original version of the idol that does not exist at all in the final version. The version that aired doesn't really develop Jocelyn's character at all, specifically her pop career, which is weird because that's what the show's supposed to be about. When you watch the interviews with Sam and The Weeknd, um, I don't remember who it was that said it. I think it was Sam, but they were trying to make a point of like, oh yeah, Tedro seems really controlling, but as you go, you see that like, maybe it's really the industry that's the real cult leader or something. Like they're trying to make it seem like, oh no, it's the music industry as a whole that's the real villain, you know? Tedros is just one guy. And like, okay, but that's not shown in the show at all because you don't really see any of the music industry in the show. Like 90% of what is shown on screen was clearly shot in the weekend's house. They barely leave that set. So you pretty much never see Jocelyn actually interacting with other aspects of the music industry. Like, you don't see her doing interviews other than the one scene with the Vanity Fair writer, which takes place at the weekend's house. You don't see her doing, like, red carpet appearances or appearing at award shows, past or present. Like, again, she's a child star, so you'd think there'd be some flashbacks or something, some sort of reference to her earlier career, but there's just not. You just don't see Jocelyn doing anything. I mean... The show is so empty in plot, and the scenes go on for so fucking long without anything of substance actually happening. It's so astounding to me. You just see Jocelyn getting, like, assaulted or just having lots and lots of sex that is, I guess, consensual, but definitely very weird. But you don't see her, like, planning her music videos or planning her tour or talking about, like, her relationship with, like, her older songs or something. I mean, there's, like, one scene where she mentions a song, but they don't, like, play it and they don't talk about, like, the style of music she was making. Like, I have no insight into Jocelyn as a celebrity in this universe. And it's so frustrating because at one point, like the most the most you get of Jocelyn's career is when Tetros brings in these producers to start working on music with her and start writing her album. So you get some idea of what her current album kind of sounds like. It sounds dumb, for one thing. I mean, the music itself is okay, but the lyrics are so, so stupid. It's so on the nose for whatever's happening in the plot. It's, it's literally like... Jocelyn is letting Tedros take over her life, so now she's recording a song where the lyrics are just straight up, I don't want to make decisions about my life anymore. I want you to make all my decisions. Like, th th those are the lyrics, pretty much. You can look it up. I, I kind of nailed that just off the top of my head. That is, like, almost exactly what the fucking lyrics in this show is. It's, it's bad. But anyway, beyond it just being bad, it's also like, but that doesn't make sense, though. Because 
Jocelyn is signed with a label, and if the whole point of the show is about how controlling and oppressive the music industry can be, I would assume that Jocelyn being under the control of her label probably has specific producers that she's contracted to work with through that label. Why is that never mentioned in the show at all? Or even if she has enough freedom in her work that she can bring in her own co-writers and co-producers, the label is still gonna be overseeing the overall project. They're the ones that ultimately have to pay whoever gets credited on the album. They've gotta work out like royalties and ownership and shit like that. Why is that never mentioned in the show at all? Because if The Weeknd could bring anything to this series, and he definitely couldn't bring any sort of acting charisma, but with his experience as someone in the music industry, you would think that he would have something to say about that. That he has some expertise with record labels and with the business of the music industry, which this show is supposedly about. So where is that? It's nowhere. And why? Probably because all that stuff involved the female lead of the show, who Sam and The Weeknd allegedly purposefully decided to take the focus away from. So how do you tell a story about the underbelly of the music industry when you've decided to take attention away from the character who's actually involved in the music industry? Now, aside from those photos, the first version of the story is still, like, a pretty big mystery. HBO must have people under some pretty tight NDAs. But someone somewhere has to have a script still. People from the set have to at least know what the original plot lines were and what the show generally was supposed to be. And I'm sure that someone somewhere has some of that original footage and maybe even like almost fully finished episodes because Amy's version was allegedly about 80% finished. So where is that 80%? I want to see it. So if anyone who had anything to do with the idol ever listens to this, and I doubt you will, but just in case... There are ways to leak things anonymously. You could maybe leak some of the footage, you know? Or even if you just remember what the show was supposed to be about, maybe you could just, like, type out whatever you remember of the original plot and post it on, like, Reddit or something. Or, better yet, email it to me. I can keep a secret, and I need to know what this show was supposed to be. Because on paper... This series should have been my shit. Like cults, celebrity culture, pop stars, the occasional boob, all things that I am interested in. And I really think that HBO is fucking up majorly by completely burying the first iteration of the show. And I'm sure there's a lot of legal stuff in the way. I don't know how much control Sam Levinson and The Weeknd and whoever the other showrunner was have over the IP. I'm sure that they don't want Amy's version released after theirs bombed so hard. But HBO, you got a lot of money. You already dumped so much money into this series anyway with the reshoots and with Sam Levinson just hiring a whole bunch of famous big name actors and uh, Jenny from Blackpink. Like you already sunk quite a lot of money into this. Just put a little bit more in. Pay those fuckers off, get the full rights to the IP, give Amy like a little bit more money, and let her finish the 20% of the show that she had left. 
I don't care what you have to do, but get that Amy cut released. Please. You know how when the last season of Game of Thrones was like really, really bad, and then there was that change.org petition that went around where people wanted HBO to just hire new writers and remake the last season of Game of Thrones? I get why that was a ridiculous request, but I think that what I am requesting right now is perfectly reasonable. This show was already being made with a different writer. It was 80% of the way done. Just let her finish. Or at least if it's too late to just put it back into production and reshoot anything or let her shoot the finale or whatever, at least just with the 80% that was done, just touch it up, finish it up. You've probably got at least like one or two episodes completely finished. Just put those out there. I'm not asking for much. Just, just a little bit of the Amy cut, please. Uh, but it's, it's starting to rain now where I am, and that's pretty much all I had to say. So I guess in conclusion, fuck Sam Levinson, fuck The weekend. really, sorry. I mean, I still think Dawn FM was a really good album, but yeah, this was really weird. This was a weird thing for him to do. And then my condolences to Lily Rose Depp, because you could have been a part of a really cool show, and it sucks that Sam Levinson had to fuck it all up. And then fuck HBO, and for no particular reason, fuck Elijah Wood.